Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Time now for Dan Issel and Louis Rabot, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Dan and Louis. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. This is Issel and Louie on ESPN 680, 105.7, and the ESPN Louisville app. However you're listening this morning, we appreciate you joining in the first hour of the show. Brought to you by Kentucky Tourism, KentuckyTourism.com. Louie is on vacation this week, sitting in today and the rest of the week, Mike Gandolfo. Mike, how are you this morning? You actually said my name perfectly right there. And you're the that's you know, people go Gandolfo, you went Gandolfo, and that I'm I'm touched, Dan. I just well, want to, thank you. Uh, you know, I uh, I miss school the day they taught <laughs> Addiction and spelling, and I'm absolutely awful on pronunciation. Well, it is G A N, so people, you know, go with the longer A, I guess. But so I, I appreciate that. But I'm doing, I'm doing great. I think there's a lot of stuff for us to kind of touch on today, and uh, all over, kind of, you know, all over the place. We got two basketball games tonight to talk about. Um, if if people still want to talk about those things, um, <laughs> <laughs> we got a, a new mock draft out from ESPN. Uh, Will Levis has dropped to number seven. Uh, to get drafted by the Raiders, which I think could actually be a really good spot. I, I, I go back, and I don't know about how you feel about this stuff, Dan, but when I think about like how good Tim Couch really was, if he doesn't go to the Cleveland yep. Browns, no, you're right. <laughs> what yeah. happens? And yeah. you, I want Will yeah. Levis to go to a spot where he's going to be successful, right? I mean, that's the big thing. Well, so. and you know, I I don't know. It looks to me, of course, uh, yesterday uh, the Raiders let left let Carr go. They uh, he, he refused to give up his no-trade clause, which means they could either keep him and pay him $40 million, which was never an option because they told him to go home the last few games of the regular season. Right, yeah. Uh, or they had to cut him. So they cut him, and um, so now they're looking for a quarterback. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and I get so tired of talking about Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Mr. Drama, going to start his four-day darkness uh, today, I believe. But anyway, uh, you know, there's speculation he could go there. I think you're absolutely right. The best thing for for Levis, or as I like to refer to him as left us, is um, that, uh, that he goes someplace and has a chance to develop, much like Rodgers did uh, behind Favre and, and a lot of other a really good quarterback, Steve Young, behind Montana. If he gets that situation, then I think he's in a good place. If if he goes someplace where, like Tim Couch, he has to play immediately, 
I I don't think he's ready for that. Well, I, I would want to go where there's the best group of big uglies in front of me as possible. That's no that's, question. That's what I want, especially after the year I had uh, last year where I had to run for my life. I want the best group of big uglies uh, in front of me that is absolutely possible. And um, and to me, I still think that's the key. I mean, I think we saw that in the Super Bowl. The 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 most overlooked positions of that offensive line and defensive line. The reason why Mark Stoops has been successful at Kentucky is because we've been good traditionally, even though last year not at the offensive line. But the offensive line, defensive line, the game of football is still won at the offensive line and the defensive line level. And big blue line, yeah, big big blue, blue wall, right? Yep, that's yep. it. And uh, uh, you know, it's not pretty and all that kind of stuff, but if it gets results and um, you know, and you can overcome some some discrepancies, I guess, with your skill set, with your skill players, if you have a really good line, if you can win that see, line. See, I think that's what. Whenever I read, whether it's uh, you know uh, Kuiper or or this guy, uh, whenever I read something, they say they say he wasn't surrounded by good talented people and and i disagree with that 100 percent i know rodriguez yeah i know i know rodriguez missed the first four games but chris rodriguez when healthy was one of the best running backs in the sec uh and and the young they didn't have they didn't have much experience but the receiving core those young kids they could catch a football so um you know, I the thing I question, and I I agree with you. He was playing behind an offensive line that was a sieve, but uh, his decision making at times was not the best, and I think that's why it would behoove him to to be able to go and sit and watch for a while in the NFL. Yeah, he does have one advantage though, because a lot of these college kids go into the pros and have not been in a pro style offense, and he has been in that pro style offense and had success. And so, the cadence, just how the offense runs, I think he. Uh, but I, I agree. I think it's always good. I mean, the game is so much faster, so much more physical. So if you can get adjusted, you know, you're throwing a bigger football. I think that you know sometimes that's lost on people. Um, your your windows are tighter. Um, your reads have got to be faster. All that stuff has got to happen. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, as a 49ers fan, is one of the things that I was really excited about, too. Like, if they were, if Trey Lance was going to be the future, which now who knows what's going to happen there, mm. uh, that the, he had the the season to play behind Jimmy Garoppolo and to kind of get adjusted and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it, yep. It's always better that way. It's, I mean, when you think about it, like, who has been able to really step in right away? It's, it's a short list. I mean, Mahomes had to sit behind – Alex Smith, uh, you know Burrow did step in right away. I guess they get, did they get rid of Andy Dalton right away? I can't. I'm trying to remember. I'm not uh, a big I think, fan. Yeah, I think I think so. I, mean, I, I think yeah, I think it was him from the very beginning. Peyton Manning obviously stepped in right away and was able to play. I mean, he but that's that's a unicorn, right? I mean, uh, I don't think we have any Peyton Mannings in this draft. You know, so no, no, yeah, even Josh Allen, I think had his sit a little bit behind Tyrod Taylor if I'm not mistaken or, or yep. he might have been gone no. already I don't, no you know no I think you're right yeah I, I don't think he stepped in immediately so we got that going on this, this is my like one of my favorite weeks of the year because I, I'm still that nerd I, pitchers and catchers report you know the Reds yeah. pitchers and catchers yeah. report yesterday you know that's funny that you say that because that's one of the things I've got on my list and I know uh, we don't have a lot of huge baseball fans out there but man, I mean, I, I, baseball, Major League Baseball started about the time that the electric light bulb was invented. 
Louisville is one of the first baseball franchises in the, in Major League Baseball. So. And and they are screwing with this thing so badly. Well, this year's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't know. You know, I understand for years and years and years, uh, Major League Baseball was America's sport. And now it's fallen at least to number three. And, and so I understand why you have to make changes. But, you know, some of these changes I just do not agree with. I, I think... I think putting a runner at second base to start the extra inning, I think that's ludicrous. I mean, that's something that's something they did with you know when my grandkids played, you know, in little league. They, that, that I mean, I, I I could not disagree with that with that rule change anymore. Now they've got the pitch count, and I understand in today's society it's boom, 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 boom. I mean with with kids playing all these things on the screen, nobody's going to grow up and sit there and watch a, a three-and-a-half, four-hour Major League Baseball game. I get it. But it looks like they are really messing with the game that I grew up loving. The funny thing to me is that they're doing something – they're trying to do things to make the game quicker, and they're trying to do things where there's more action. And by the nature of baseball, if there's more action, the game is going to take longer. Right. I mean, you can't you, you're so you're doing these things that I think are going to end up counterbalancing. So I you, to, to really enjoy baseball, first off, you have to you, it has to be relaxing to, for you at some degree. You know, I, and I think that for me is one of the things I love just the the cadence of the game. It's relaxing. You're, you know, being at the ballpark. It's so beautiful. I, I just I love it to do, to this day to this day, Mike. When I go to a major league baseball game, I leave my phone in the car. Oh, yeah. It's almost yeah. like it's like a break from the the real world, right? I mean, it's it's fantastic. Exactly. Um, and then you have to learn how to watch baseball where every pitch is an individual play and understand the gamemanship. And so when you talk about the pitch clock or how many times the guy can step off the rubber or how many visits to the mound, like that's all part of the gamemanship of baseball um, that I agree with you. I think it takes away from the game a little bit. The base is being bigger. I don't know about how you feel about this. First off, I just don't know if it was that big of an issue. Did we see a lot of guys getting hurt because the base was three inches smaller than what it's going to be uh, in 2023? Is it really going to yeah. – Yeah, just an over, another overreaction. Who was it? Alex Cora said they look like a pizza box now. <laughs> uh, they're huge. <laughs> but at the end of the day, one of the things I guess I'm kind of excited about that for Dan is that – you know, I kind of my formidable baseball fan years were the '80s, where so we had Vince Coleman and Ricky Henderson stealing bases left and right, right, and that was that was an anomaly. Tim Raines, we had this uh, time period in baseball where people were out there stealing bases. You know, you start taking four and a half inches off the base base path with how much those plays are usually bang bang. You're adding a whole other facet to the game and bringing that facet back, um, which I'm I'm kind of hoping we see. Like if the the bigger bases leads to more aggressive base running and more stolen base attempts. Uh, I think it could make the game more exciting from that standpoint. And then, of course, you have the shift rule, and I don't know how you feel about the shift rule, um, whether or not you know. Again, that kind of goes with the whole game and shift. But you know, we the shift is kind of a more recent thing. I, I feel like too, and so I, I would rather kind of see the traditional two people on either side of second base in the infield so well i yeah i do but here's here's my position on that if you're a left-handed batter 
and they've got and the third baseman is playing closer to second base than he is third base and you've got three infielders don't continue just to try and hit the ball through right. the right side of the infield right i mean make an adjustment bun it go the opposite way yeah you know old time uh, and now you know uh, most uh, not most a, a lot of players uh, and a lot of teams you know they wait for somebody to hit a three run homer instead of you know moving base to base to base and so i always thought if you're a major league batter in, in, and you can't make that adjustment then they ought to be able to sit there in the shift uh, i I, I don't know. I, I, I understand because most batters did not make that adjustment and just continued to pound it into the shift and get thrown out. I understand why they had to make the rule, but I thought without they didn't have to touch the rule if major league batters batted like major league hitters. So uh, are you a DH guy? Uh No. I, I'm a, neither am I. I'd really, I think no. the pitchers need to be in there and hit. Yeah, I love it. I mean, the, the, you know, they're they're on the field. We're they're, like the grumpy old men at the uh, in the Muppets. And no, of course, half our audience this is our time. auto. This is our auto moment of the morning. Uh, <laughs> when did I become old though, Dan? I'm still young. Come no, on, no, I'm you old. Do this, you do. Hey, by the way, <laughs> Avery, get ready with dump button. I had a dream last night <laughs> that I said something on the show. That got me in big, big trouble. So don't look at your phone, Avery. Pay attention. I don't want that dream to come true. <laughs> she's ready. She's she's giggling. She's ready. So okay, good. Uh, yeah. I I, uh, I would agree. Like I I enjoy a two one or one nothing pitcher duel where the pitchers are just on it more than I enjoy a slugfest of like six home runs. So see, you're you're older than you think. I am. I'm an old soul who likes baseball and horse racing. All I got to do is add in boxing, and then I'm right there with everybody else. I guess. So <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh man. Well, we 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 covered those two subjects. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, now at the bottom of the hour, you're going to have a guest on. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So former Louisville basketball player, uh, Koya Gao, which actually I think it's really good timing because he was uh, recruited in 2013 uh, by Rick Patino, And Rick had really high hopes for a Koi. And he's one of those guys that just, you know, got here and ended up getting injured. You know, I, I think lots of times people don't realize like to get to that next level, to avoid the injury bug for, we, we probably would have had a lot of other really great uh, Hall of Fame style basketball players if people could have just avoid getting injured, right, and living injured all the time. Uh, like, who's the greatest player you think you ever played with that just could not stay healthy? That if they could have stayed healthy, they would have been a household name. Easy. Lafonso Ellis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lafonso Ellis, uh, the first, uh, the, the first uh, two years uh, that, I, that I coached Lafonso in Denver, yeah, of course, he played alongside Dikembe and, and Mahmoud and, and uh, you know, a decent little team. But he came out of Notre Dame, and he just got better and better and better. And uh, you know those moments in your life, Mike, where you you they never leave your memory because either they were such great moments or they were such horrible moments. Mm-hmm. And I was I I can remember this to this day. We're getting ready 
for my third year coaching, I came in uh, uh, Lafonso's uh, uh, rookie year. Is this your so first? Because you had the we're, first span, and then you came a little bit of a break, and then you came back. Is this the first uh, uh, span coaching? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In in the early early nineties. Okay. And. Um, and we drafted. We had two first-round picks that year. We drafted uh, Lafonso Ellis out of Notre Dame, and then later in the first round, we took Bryant Stith from uh, Virginia, uh, who ironically play in he played in. He played at He played at Oak Hill, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I saw him uh, playing high school. And, really and they and they were both excellent players. Mm-hmm. But but well, I'm sitting in. I'm sitting in um, uh, the uh, the general manager. Bernie Bickerstaff. I'm sitting in his office, and we're talking about the upcoming season. the The training camp hadn't started yet, but the guys are working out at a local rec center, and the trainer Jim Gillen walks in Bernie's office and says, "Lafonso just hurt his knee mm. in a pickup game." And come to find out, he didn't tear any ligaments or anything. He had holes in his kneecaps and the holes never I guess we're all born with it and his holes never closed completely and he had cracked his kneecap Mm. and so he missed he missed that whole season and then another uh, either the the year following I'm I'm gone by now Uh, either the year following or two years following he tears up his Achilles and Sherry and I were watching the game at home on television, and we beat, we were so close with Fonz and Jen um, that we beat Fonz to the hospital mm. and, and, um, and sat there for quite a while that night and the next morning. And, and here's another thing I'll never forget. Instead of, instead of his Achilles snapping, you know, most Achilles injuries, it, it tears in two and it just kind of and it kind of rolls up like a like a window shade. His was like, and I saw the pictures. The the the, the orthopedic doctor for the Nuggets brought out the pictures. His Achilles looked like a bowl of spaghetti. Mm. I mean, it shredded. was just it just shredded. Wow. And 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 I'll never forget the the doctor said Steve Trina said, I don't, I, I'm not worried about him playing anymore. I'm worried about him walking. And he came back from that injury and played. But no, that, uh, that, that that's a long-winded answer. But Lafonso Ellis would have been, I, I don't know if he would have been Hall of Fame, but he would have been an all-star player in the NBA. He's great. He's games. great on TV, isn't he? He's terrific. I mean, he's incredible on TV. He he is he is the shining star at at ESPN. He does he does a great job, and to this day he never forgets my birthday. He never forgets Father's Day. He's just a great. I I call him a kid. He's a man now, but uh, no, he was he he was my favorite. So he's the fa- favorite kid I ever coached. Was that the year that you all upset Seattle in the in the playoffs? Yes. So yeah. what? And so you you give this answer, and of course the coach in me wants to just like take this thing. Like, so what impact did that have on that team? You know, for them to then go play like they were down two zero, and they had to win three straight against as an eight seed. You were the first eight seed to ever beat a number one seed in the NBA playoffs. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what was Seattle, what was that like? Seattle. Um, 
Uh, it, <laughs> well, obviously, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we we made the we made the playoffs by the skin of our teeth. Ironically, the the team that we beat out for the eighth spot that year was the Lakers. Oh, uh, and and Magic was kind of at the end of his at, at the end of his career, and um, and and we, we beat out the Lakers. We were. That was actually that was the was that that was the year he actually came out and said he had HIV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so and so we uh, we we were the eighth seed and the Seattle SuperSonics with Sean Kemp, uh, Gary Payton, um, who else was a Detlef Shrimp yeah, was on that team. Uh, they had the best record in the NBA, and we went. It was a five game series. We went to Seattle. Uh, and we got absolutely killed in the first game. And then the second game, I think we lost by 20-some points in the first game. The second game was uh, was a little closer, but I think it was still a, a double-digit loss. Uh, and we went home and to play game three in Denver. And the um, th- there were like three days between game three and game four. So we found out that Seattle had all their bags packed. They they thought they were going to win game three, and and they were getting ready to go on the plane and go home. Now, after the fact, they said, well, you know, with three games, we thought it would be better if we went back home and then came back for game four if we lost. But, but Sean Kemp, in regulation, Mike, Sean Kemp had two free throws, to win game number three for Seattle, and he missed both of them, and we won in overtime. And so now game four is in Denver, and uh, and we win that one. So now all of the pressure. I mean, we got kids that you know are in their second, third, and fourth years. Uh, a very young team. Not a lot of playoff experience on that team. None. Not, not a not a little none, none. Uh, and so <laughs> I think we had some guys on the bench that had been in the playoffs before, but none of our starters had ever been in the playoffs. So we go back now. All the pressure is on Seattle, uh, and um, game number five goes to overtime, and it is if you go back and watch that. Watch that overtime. Okay, it is it is some of the worst basketball you have ever seen. We I think we get called for like three shot clock violations because we got we got kids. None of them want to take the shot. And and Dikembe, God bless him. I mean, they're trying to take the ball to the basket and they can't get close. I mean, he Sean Kemp one time in overtime he takes the ball in trying to dunk it. And Dikembe blocks Sean Kemp's dunk, and we win the game. And uh, and and that's uh, that that iconic photo of Dikembe laying on the floor with the basketball over his head. Uh, and yeah, we were the first eight seed ever to beat a one seed. And then it was that that summer that uh, Fonz tore up his knee, and um, and and by halfway through the next season, I was. I was out. So, uh, uh, what what could have been, what should have been, Dick Enberg. I, I, that that game is still replayed on ESPN uh, from time to time, and I, I can still remember uh, Dick Enberg saying at the end, "This is a team 
this is a team of the future. This team's going to be a great team. And I think the following year we didn't even make the playoffs. So uh, it's uh, – And fire that coach. What, I mean, come yeah, on. And, and what a lot of people forget about that season is, Mike, we went then and played at Utah. And Utah had uh, Stockton, Malone, Hornacek, great team. Oh, yeah. I think, I think they wound up going to the finals that year. But we're down, we're down three nothing to Utah, and win the next three games. Now, no team in the history of NBA playoffs, no team has ever come back from being down 0-3, and we win the next three games uh, and go to Utah for Game Seven, and and they uh, they beat us pretty handily. But yeah, that was a that was a fun run with a fun bunch of guys. All that to get to who Okoye Gao is, because Okoye was... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where <laughs> that, we started. That was the original <laughs> question. Uh, so drafted, drafted, or not drafted, but uh, but Rick, you know, the, coming off the national championship, Rick had two big recruits coming in that year. He had two walk-ons, because that's the year that David Levitch also came in with uh, uh, Dylan Avar. But the uh, uh, Anton Gill was a big recruit for them at the time. And actually, I think it's like even uh, Terry Rogier ended up coming in, even though he was supposed to come in the year before. Uh, and then Akoy and Rick thought Akoy had this huge upside. This is a, he's a, a refugee from Sudan. Uh, he settled in Omaha, played his high school basketball there, and just never could stay healthy. Uh, he ended up leaving Louisville, went to uh, SMU, went to he went to Georgetown first, then went to SMU, and then came back to Louisville. And so he was his last year at Louisville was the year that David Pageant was the head coach. So mm. Akoy was like in the middle of all this stuff that happened. Well, anyway. Akoy's bringing a professional basketball team to Louisville, uh, the basketball league, which actually is really kind of interesting because man, they're putting guys, they're helping place guys in overseas, they're helping place guys. They even had some guys go up to the to play in the NBA. I'll let Akoy tell us what all those numbers are. You know, getting them to the G League, they've they've done a really good job of understanding what the league is, is to help these guys transition to what's next for them in basketball. Uh, but their first game's coming up in uh, I think like March fifth or sixth or something like that, and. Uh, Koi put this whole thing together, and um, I've, I've I've kind of been there with them, helping them, you know, with some connections and stuff like that, just trying to figure out where they can do this thing and how they can pull it off. And uh, he's he's done it; he's pulled it off, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. And so, being it's not the NBA to lose, I understand that, you know. But we do have, uh, and then he had some uh, announcements yesterday. Quan Four, who played basketball at Louisville, is going to play on this team. Um, I'm I'm blanking right now on who the Bellman player is that they just pulled in, who's going to be playing on this team. Um, they're there will, I, oh, I can't say. There's other people that are going to be joining this team who just can contractually maybe not can't make the jump just yet that they need to stay tuned for. Um, so, uh, Akoy is bringing professional basketball to Louisville, and uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit and uh, at the other side of the break. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm anxious to hear it being involved with uh, with NBA to Lou, and of course, as you said, it's it's down a few levels, but. Um, it, it's still very interesting, and, and uh, I did a little research when you told me yesterday that uh, Akoy would come on. I did a little research, and this will be the third TBL team in Kentucky. Yeah, Owensboro's uh, got a team. Uh, I can't remember who's got the other, but yeah, the third one in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll talk to him uh, after the break, and um, I, I got a picture from uh, Lou. Uh, Louis yesterday uh, sitting on his balcony having coffee overlooking the swimming pool and the beach. Now, I, I have no idea 
where he is, but it looked a whole lot like Florida to me. <laughs> uh, you don't know where he is, really? No. Oh, I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. Maybe he's maybe he's not trying to put it out there and say I don't know. Well, but. you know, I mean, the paparazzi's. That's and true. The, and the autograph seekers. No, let's not Listen. say it because he'll be uh, inundated. You heard Drew talk about how expensive it is to go Florida right now. Louis is not in Florida. I can tell you that right now. So he's not. In Florida. Oh. <laughs> Vance Hall, by the way, is the Bellman player who's going to be playing for the Derby City Distillers. So okay. uh, recent graduate. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, of course, we have to talk about uh, UK and, and, and oh, Yeovil. Yeah. Uh, both, uh, both play tonight. Uh, and this UK team, I, uh, I, I don't know. I talked with... Um, with our friend uh, Cam Drummond, who sat in for you, who was sitting out for Louie yesterday. And, uh, I mean, Cam is on top of all things. He's a UK sharp basketball. dude, isn't he? He's a yes, sharp he guy. Is. Yeah, he's going to go a long way. Um, I hate to say that about an IU guy, but he's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty sharp. But I talked with him this morning. I, I was interested to see uh, what the status was with Wheeler and Fredericks. And he said, "I guess, I guess, Coach Chin did the uh, did the media interview yep. yesterday, and and didn't say uh, if if Wheeler and Fredericks would be available. But Cam said the way that it's looking, he's he's guessing neither one of them play tonight, which uh, that that's not good. That's not good for Kentucky. You um, know, and tonight we'll talk about this. I'm sure on the other side of the breaks, or you know, probably in the second hour, but." Tonight's the the night. If Cal's going to play zone, tonight's the night you play zone. So um, I don't know if we'll do it, but we'll see because Mississippi State lives around the basket. If they're going to be successful, that's because they're they're getting good shots around the basket. If we're giving up good shots around the basket, they're they don't have much of a three point game. But how many times has we've said that, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a player on the opposing team has an all time game from the three point range? I mean, you you almost to the point where you don't even need to really concerned about what they're going to do from the three-point line you know okay so. if if you um if if you had a and i guess the answer is both but are you more concerned at this point in the year with kentucky's offense or kentucky's defense i'm always going to be more concerned with the defense because to me it's you should never have a bad defensive night defense is the one thing like you know you might have an off shooting night defense is the one variable that if you take ownership over it you should be able to, um, you should be able to have some level of consistency right there. So, I, for me, like if you're if you're broken, I think you fix the defense first because the defense can lead to easy offense. I think it's harder for the offense to lead to good defense, and we saw that with Louisville in Miami, right? I mean, yep. offensively yep. they were fixed, but yep. all they had to do wait, was play wait on defense. a second. Did you say you can have an off night shooting? You you can't. I, I don't. The I, people I, who are actually human shooting the basketball. Know, I, yeah. I don't know what that would be like. Uh, hey, when you're ready to explore the outdoors, there's no better place than the Bluegrass State. Hike, bike, paddle, fish, or even venture deep underground, this is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Plan your summer getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. This segment with Dan Issel and Louis Rabot is presented by KentuckyTourism.com. 
Welcome back to ESPN Louisville. Mike Gandolfo here with Dan Issel. Uh, Louisville versus Virginia tonight. ESPN Louisville is your play-by-play home for Louisville basketball. The Cards are back at the Yum Center hosting Top 10 Virginia. 5.30 is the network pregame. 7 o'clock is the play-by-play with Paul Rogers and Bob Valvano. And then immediately following the game, we're going to the Coors Light postgame show with Ethan Moore. Uh, you can tune in tonight and listen to that. Uh, Dan, we have a special guest, as we mentioned in the first part of the show. Uh, and well, welcome to the show, former Louisville basketball player, Koya Gal. Koya, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm uh, excited to have you here. You know, my uh, uh, people think that I'm a UK homer. And for them to know that I have a, a, a person who is very, you know, you're, you're a friend of mine for sure, right? Um, yeah, you know, that is a little person. <laughs> I met a Koya about 10 years ago as I was doing the uh, recruiting for the Derby Classic. And uh, a Koya was... Uh, a bigger than life personality. He's been really important to my family, but you're doing some big things for the city. Talk a little bit about who the Derby City. Actually, before we get to who the Derby City Distillers are, tell us a little bit about about this basketball league and really the success that this league has had. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the league is called the TBL, which stands for the Basketball League. Um, it was a league that's been around and going into essentially its eighth season, uh, but really its sixth season as the TBL. And it was created as a league that was going to help, you know, be a, you know, a, a opportunity for guys to be able to get stats and films and whatever the case might be that they needed to be able to propel their career to a better contract to go overseas and get on a G League team, obviously get their aspirations in the NBA. And so it was really a, 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 a jumping board for guys to be able to get what they need to then propel them into um a better opportunity and so i actually was blessed enough to to when i graduated in college in 2019 from louisville after being in college six years and having six major surgeries um and and, and really being on on and off and seeing the floor before i wanted to kind of go overseas and play i always had the opportunity of playing in this league um and was able to kind of do what I needed to do and get the film and stats that I needed to be able to go overseas and start my career over there. Um, their games are streamed to over 150 countries, and so it provides an array of opportunities for teams from all over the world to be able to tune in and, and watch guys and, and scout and GMs and teams are able to kind of find guys that they're wanting for their team and make the call and get their guys over there. Akoy, it's uh, Dan Issel. Thank you for for joining us. We really appreciate your time. I I love this this idea. Tell us. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Number one, uh, how many teams are in uh, the the uh, TBL? TBL. Yes, and and how many um, how, are these players compensated in any way? Yes. So they are currently forty six teams in the TBL. Um, and they're looking to maybe grow just a little bit more. Um, one of the reasons for that, you know, so I guess this will also lead to compensation. These guys do indeed get paid, but it's not it's not money where where they can live off of or make a living off of it, and that's why it's important. It's a short four-month season, but it's important for guys to be able to get the film and stats that they need and then be able to parlay that into going overseas. Now, there are some teams, depending on, you know, support, um, you know, and ownership and, and, and sponsorships and different stuff like that that they get. There's a league minimum that the league has on, on salary, you know, which is from 500 to 1500 a month. Um, but depending on, you know, the management side of things and the support that these teams get on the sponsorship side and funding side of the 
of locals and cities and local businesses and stuff, um, there's no cap. So guys are able to make more. And so some teams do a lot better job of promoting and getting sponsorships and getting support that they're able to pay guys a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not a location where they're trying to make essentially a living out of it. And then um, as far as the teams, one of the one of the ideas behind that was, you know, it cuts down on the on the travel. Um, so we've got, I think, like seven or eight teams that are within an eight, nine hour, I mean, a five, six hour radius from where we play. And so it allows now for us to be able to drive somewhere, play our game, and also return. But if that's not the case, then you're having to do overnights, you're having to fly, which then exponentially raises the the expenses of a team. And so that's kind of their growth. Their growth pattern is growing it, and I think they're looking to maybe cut it off at 64 teams. Uh, but also, most importantly, is it allows guys to be able to who aren't comfortable going overseas, who are extremely talented, to be able to play on these teams, stay closer to, to home, to family and friends and kids and girlfriends and wives. Um, so it's also an opportunity for people like that who are extremely talented to stay in the states and and take advantage of this league. And to that point, the Kentucky Enforcers up in Northern Kentucky will be their first game on March 3rd. Their first home game will be March 11th against the Cincinnati Warriors. So we have three teams in Kentucky, a Cincinnati team, St. Louis team. There's a couple teams in Indiana, a team in Huntsville, Alabama. All those are pretty close, so it minimizes the travel. Uh, tell us a little bit about how I know you haven't officially released a roster yet. Just tell us a little bit about where you are in that process for the Derby City Distillers and, um, and what that kind of looks like. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry to, to correct you, Mike. Maybe we had we had uh, posted it wrong, but our first home game is actually March 8th um, against the Cincinnati Warriors at home. Um, I think it was due to a schedule change with the arena. So gotcha. forgive us on that, but that will be March 8th at home. Um, and then as far as the, the process of where we're at, so we had three tryouts. Um, our first one was just a one-day tryout, and then we had two more tryouts that consisted of two days. And so guys had the opportunity to be able to compete on a Saturday, Sunday, uh, just giving guys more of an opportunity because in these times when you're trying out, it's really hard to showcase everything. So giving them two days we felt would allow them to be able to showcase more and, and have more time for us to evaluate them. So we just had our last tryout on February 11th and 12th, and then we just started training camp on the 13th on Monday. Um, we brought 29 guys to camp. We'll make cuts um, throughout the week, which will then officially get us down to 20 by this weekend. Um, and then by Sunday, February 19th, we're having an inter-squad scrimmage with the 20 guys that we'll keep on the team for the inter-squad scrimmage. And from that, we'll make a final roster cut, and we'll keep about 12 to 15 guys, which will then lead into our first exhibition game on February 26th. Akoy, uh, can you give us uh, some names of, of some local players that uh, that our listeners might recognize? Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I'll start with the two that, that – um, two of them are guys that I played with at Georgetown, jo- Jonathan Moore and Rodney Pryor. They played with me when I left Louisville to go there. But the two locals um, is Quan Ford. He played at Richmond, um, and then he transferred in for his fifth year and played with me my sixth year um, under Chris Mack's first year at Louisville. And then also Vance Hall, um, who finished up his career at Bellarmine um, and then went to go play overseas a little bit in a couple other countries. And so those are currently the two locals. Um, currently having conversations with, with um, a few other former Cardinals and, and some other um, – People that play basketball at Kentucky. You know. Yeah, yeah. you got to get some Kentucky players there. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll call it. 
Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, definitely talking to a few, you know, Kentucky players and also WKU and EKU. I think the biggest thing, too, is it's, it's going to be a great opportunity to try to get as many former guys who are either on a break from where they're normally playing, um, you know, are either slowly starting to kind of wind down in their career and want to come back home and play. Um, and so I think it'd be a great opportunity to try to get as much as many former, you know, athletes that compete at the universities in the state to try to come back and play on this team. And, Nikoi, we've had these, you know, teams pop up. and they, what, what makes this team different? What makes the, the, the TBL different from all these other kind of pop-up uh, leagues in the past? Um, I, I think with the two owners, David and Evelyn Magley, um, David used to be the NBL, um, the commissioner for the NBL Canada, um, which they're actually creating a great partnership with TBL teams. We'll start playing NBL Canada teams. We are actually at the end of March going to, and I just learned how to say it correctly, Newfoundland to play a team <laughs> in the N- NBL Canada. Um, and so they're creating that great partnership. And then there's going to be a point where there's going to be a, essentially a, um, you know, like an NBA slash G League setup where we'll, we'll have the top tier you know, TBL teams that will have a certain budget that they need to abide by. They'll travel a little more. They'll they'll partner and, and, and p- play more of the Canadian teams. And then you'll kind of have your other tier of TBL teams that will strictly more play each other. Um, and I think with this, like I said, I think at, at the end of the day, when you talk about the United States of America, there's really only the NBA and the G League that are high prominent um, leagues that are doing things. And so this is another great opportunity that I think it's really grown for guys to get opportunity to resurrect their career, get their careers going. But what's also special is the level of competition is also rising because a lot of guys who are currently playing in the G League are on two-way NBA contracts. Whenever they're done, they're starting to play on these leagues in the, in the TBL. And there was a team who wanted the Enid Outlaws, and I think they had four or five guys who played in the G League and two guys who had two-way contracts with NBA teams. And so it, it's starting to become a great thing for G League guys to come play in, keep them in shape, they're getting paid, and then they're able to, you know, take that and get and get ready for summer league in Vegas. And so the level of competition is rising. There's some former NBA guys who are looking to start kind of playing in this league. You know, I was gonna share a name, but I just talked to a former NBA guy uh, who potentially might come play on our team. And so I, I think the league is starting to build build great brand recognition and starting to kind of attract some of the more national brands and, and everything like that. And so it's exciting to see. It's exciting to grow with this. Um, and I'm excited for the city of Louisville. Akoy, I love this idea because th- there are kids that fall through the cracks. Maybe they're competing against a guy that has a guaranteed contract or, you know, maybe they're coming off an injury. But for some reason, there are very talented people out there that, that don't get an opportunity. So I love this. Now, tell our listeners where, where you're going to play. They can go to your website and see the schedule. Where are you going to play, how they get tickets, uh, all of that. Yes, sir. So you can find us on DerbyCityDistillers.com, um, and that will get us to our to, to our homepage, which then you'll be able to navigate um, and click tickets or click on our shop to be able to find um, our gear and everything. And so we will be playing our first season at Kentucky Country Day High School. Um, the address, I guess I don't know the address, but most people will know Kentucky Country Day High School. I'm an assistant varsity coach there. Um, and then as far as tickets, there's a tickets tab. On our website, that guys that everyone will be able to click on, it'll just take them to all our home games. Now we just made live tickets 
for our first exhibition game that will be open to everyone in the public. That will be February 26th. And we will be playing, and that will be a 5 p.m. game on February 26th. It's a Sunday. Um, we'll be playing a team called the West Virginia Grind. That's also in the TBL, but they're not in our uh, division. And so that will be our first exhibition game to kind of kick things off and get ready for for our season and, and our first home game. So we'll love to have as many people show up as possible on February 26th. Um, it's going to be a great runway and segue for us to kind of get a couple things out the way and, and get everything set up and have fans in there. Um, so we're extremely excited to be able to do that um, and hopefully to have a lot of support from the city. 12 home games, Akoi. What can someone get season tickets for? Uh, season tickets for adults are $150. Um, for veterans, they're 136 And then for uh, students, they're $99. So there it is. Akoi, I wish you a lot of luck. Uh, I I started in a league called the ABA that a lot of people thought was up against it, and that turned out all right. I I hope yours turns out well as well. Thank you. Yes, yes, sir. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to to shed light on this and uh, be able to talk about it and get the word out about the Derby City Distillers. And by the way, go to get the logo stuff. If people love the uh, the stuff that the bats put out with the you know, when they put out the barrel, bourbon barrel caps and stuff like that when they do their distilling night, the Derby City Distiller logo and all that stuff. I mean, it should be people should be wearing it all over the place. It's really, the gear is going to be highly sought after. I think <laughs> absolutely, we're excited, and uh, obviously the name was very strategic and and, and making it fit to Kentucky as possible. Um, and, you know, obviously being called Derby City and, and the Derby being here and then obviously the bourbon connection. Um, and we will be indeed be able to serve uh, bourbon at our games. And we are looking to finalize a couple bourbon sponsorships. Um, so that would be another perk that I know people enjoy and are love, love and looking forward to, to providing that. All right. All right. Thank you, Akoy. Best, best of luck. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much. Okay, all right. Bourbon, basketball, if they could have a horse race at halftime, it'd be perfect. <laughs> well, and then, you know, he didn't. we didn't get to announce it, but, you know, yours truly is going to be the voice of the, of the broadcast. Oh, really? Yeah. How, the, how cool is that? We do a little play-by-play, you know? There you, there you go. There so, you go. I'm, you, think uh, I'm, you think I'm too old to try out, Mike? Uh, I think you could probably still make it. I, you know, it'd be interesting. <laughs> just from the gimmick side of things, of like if they put you on the roster and put you out there, you know, how many people would come watch you play? Just knowing how many people showed up at Martini's just to see you, you know, uh, it'd be good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um, tonight at the Yum Center, uh, Virginia is in town. Yep. Uh, Louisville, according to the matchup predictor, has a 3% chance of winning the game. So you're saying there's um, a chance. All right. I, I, yeah, there's always a chance. That's right. Uh, I, I think the spread, the last spread, uh, last line I saw uh, was Virginia's 16.5 point That favorites. seems awfully low, but then you you think about how low-scoring Virginia games are in general, I guess you had to put uh, put that into consideration, right? Yeah, and, and how well, quite frankly, how well some of the Louisville players have been playing offensively. I think that's. I think that given those two now, Louisville can't guard anybody, but that might not make a difference against Virginia. I think you're right. I think sixteen and a half is uh, is a big, big number. I was uh, the first game I ever witnessed in the Yum Center. 
uh, Mike was a Virginia and U of L. Okay, and you you might remember this. It was I think uh, four years ago. Was this the crazy five. finish? Where, yeah, yeah, where Louisville yeah. basically where, gave them the right Virginia, team. Yeah. Virginia scored like seven points in in a second and a half or something. Had like, flashbacks some, to Reggie some, Miller versus the Knicks. Yeah, I I happened to be sitting uh, when when Louisville took the ball out of bounds. I was uh, I was with Joe Steyer, and he has courtside seats, and we were sitting courtside, and I was about ten feet from where Louisville uh, was taking the ball in bounds, and and the official before he hands the ball, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who the Louisville player was. Was it Mango? I, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. He yeah. he points he points at the floor, and says here. Or stay here. Stay here. Some, like something do. like yep. that. He hands him the basketball, and the kid runs the baseline. Yeah. And and so that was a, that was a turnover. Virginia inbounds the ball, shoots a three pointer, and wins the game. It was it was one of the one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on a basketball floor. And uh, this Louisville team has been doing better about not turning the ball over as much, you know. So like, I mean, that's a key piece against Virginia, and then. Uh, I think at the end of the day, though, it comes down: Are you going to be able to hit the three pointers that you need to hit to win? Because that's they'll give you the looks. You know, Virginia will give you the three point looks uh, if you want them. Um, and so, if Louisville's having a good game from outside, you never know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, um, uh, L L has been up and down. I think L's just worn out. Oh I yeah, mean, he look, he looks he looks like a guy that's been that has just gone fifteen rounds in a heavyweight fight. I, I and and he's been a little up and down lately with his shooting. He was certainly up in Miami. Withers has been shooting. I, I think it depends on who takes him because Withers has been shooting the the three pointer well. James is you know he's in and out. One night he knocks down everything, and the next night he can't hit the rim. But you got to be careful not only taking those shots. But, Mike, you have to be careful who's taking those, those shots. Uh, you know, the old line, there's a reason you're open, son. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and, and so Louisville has to has to be well aware of that. Yeah, and uh, and hopefully we'll see what they can pull together. And, 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 you know, this is a game, though, too, like, you know, you're preparing for another game on Saturday that you, you know, you potentially could beat Clemson, right? I mean, it's not out of the – if you can play – Miami in Miami as close as you did you can beat Clemson even though Clemson's way better than what people thought um, it's one of these games where for me it's like if Virginia comes out and they establish being a top 10 team they come to the Yum Center and they the reason why I say that is because they've owned the Yum Center let's just be let's be honest Virginia what are they like eight and two and I know they had the two wins and uh, when they played here for, during the NCAA tournament they've owned the Yum Center and I know that upsets a lot of people, especially with Lachlan McLean uh, being such a big Virginia fan here locally. <laughs> but uh, they got to come in and, and and just make sure they don't get beat twice. If they get beat tonight, they can't let it beat them on, again on Saturday. You know? Yeah. Okay. Here's here's a fun one. Uh, both Kentucky and Louisville have six games left. Correct. Yes. Who has who has the better record? Man, I'll tell you what. It might they might like I, there's. <laughs> That's that's a real question right now. And it, if Kentucky drops tonight, it, Louisville, like they both could be looking at one and five. Um, it it uh, yeah. It and we'll talk after the break. We'll talk about Kentucky and the game against uh, Mississippi State tonight. 
but um, I, I think it's safe to say, you know, it's like 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 Yogi Berra used to say, it's deja vu all over again. We keep talking about this Kentucky team and saying this is a must win, and then they lose, mm-hmm. and then then the next game comes out and we say this is a must win, and then they lose. Pretty soon, uh, you know, if if they don't win tonight, uh, you know, there might not be any must-win games going on because it won't make any difference. And they uh, they haven't lost three games in a row yet this year. I mean, they have lost uh, two in, in a row twice now. Um, but we'll see. I mean, this like I said, this Mississippi State team is not definitely not unbeatable. They're actually the Mississippi State right now sixty one percent on the matchup predictor to win this game tonight yeah no it's uh, it's scary and and mississippi state and we'll get we'll get into the uh we'll, we'll get into the statistics and the breakdown but um now Miss, mississippi state's a three-point favorite mm. and um you know i i don't I, I you're you're kind of in the same camp i am i i don't think it makes much difference uh if severe plays or not i don't think he has a positive or, or or a negative effect. I think it, it's kind of a wash, uh, his play. But if Fredericks doesn't play and they're forced to use the arrow as the backup point guard again like they mm-hmm. did at Georgia, that's not a good situation. I don't no. know if you've ever had broken ribs, Mike, but um, I, I don't see how Fredericks plays for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it hurts. And so – uh, but it's just hard for me to think that we're going. Kentucky's going to play a team that's five and seven in the SEC, and they're a three-point underdog. Um, it's it's mind-boggling, but that's where we are right now. You know, I go back and I I was thinking all the talk with Tubby coming back to be honored. Uh, they're, they're getting honored this week in the '98 team. Yeah, it's um, um, on on Saturday. It'll uh, it'll be the they were supposed to have they were supposed to honor the '96 team. Uh, but it happened during COVID, right? So they're so they're kind of it's it's amazing. The '96 team, the '97 team, and the '98 team. Uh, there are only 25 guys that played on those, those three, three teams. Wow, on those three teams. Uh, and I think they're go- so they're going to honor all all three of those teams. And uh, I think about half the guys, a lot of the guys are, are tied up. They're either coaching or they're working in the NBA. And so they expect uh, a, about uh, half of those guys. Well, one of those to, guys is on Mississippi State's bench tonight. So uh, Scott Pageant is <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the exactly. special assistant coaches down there. So, yep, yep. Um, so uh, But uh, reports that Rick Pitino won't be there. So Yeah. Well, I hope at some point he does come back because uh, I think he – I think the reception will be warmer than people think. Um, I love do you, really. Yeah, I do. I really do. I think at the end of the day, you know, you get some distance from things. And again, maybe it, I, it's, I'm sentimental because I that '92 team that lost to Duke meant so much to me. And uh, from you know, just knowing what those was that the Ladner, the Leitner uh, shot, Leitner, yeah, Leitner but shot? to me yeah. it was more way more about Pelfrey and Feldhaus and. Uh, and Sean Woods and Richie Farmer and those guys who, you know, probably wouldn't have been able to play at Kentucky if they weren't on probation, and they really they played for the front. They certainly wouldn't have their numbers in the rafters. One hundred percent, that's for sure. And just to see how they kind of came together, and you know, they had to have Mash. Uh, he was a key part of that. But then the four of them just supporting what Mash did and how good that team was and what they overcame, and 
I I love that team. So and and so I I'll never forget that Rick brought Kentucky to the spot where they were beating the national championship game three years in a row. Even though Tubby was the coach in '98, you know, from where they were in '88 with Rick's players. Well, yeah, but you know what? I'm not sure if Rick wins in '98. I, I think they needed. I think that team needed Tubby, and. Because um, oh, that's an interesting observation. It's it's not the same team as that '96 team and that '97 team, right? I mean, it's a completely different kind of comp- uh Just the way the team was built, um, not as athletic for sure. Not as uh, the talent was just different. So I and I love Tubby. And right now, I'll tell you right now, Tubby got ran out of town for a whole lot less than what's going on in Lexington right now. <laughs> Good point. Well, Good point. I, I think I might disagree with you. I, I, I understand what you're saying. We have a very forgiving society, and the farther away you get, but I, I don't know how many big blue fans will will still excuse Rick for going to U of L. I don't, I don't know if I'm on board with that one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, after the break, one of my favorite segments of the show bologna or salami (laughs) so we'll we'll do that after the break when you're ready to explore the outdoors there's no better place than home this is kentucky come see for yourself plan your getaway today at kentuckytourism.com metro college is a program that helps students pay for tuition and i didn't believe it you have to work third shift five days a week it's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate i would do it all over again just like i just did You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. 